Okay, so welcome to the second episode of Made Me Watch. We did change our name a little bit because of another podcast that's similar in name. So, Made Me Watch is the new name. That's what we're going with. And for this episode, Bryant got to pick again, and he made me watch The Prophet, the marijuana episode. Naturally. What about it? Um, so... I understand. We also need a bigger table. Well, this one. There we go. Oh, look at you. Look at me. I'm inventive. Go, team, go. No voices, please. Oh, that voice will live on forever. And ever and ever. I'm out. Snuggles says hello. I quit. Yeah. I quit all things. Who needs Snapchat filters when you can do the voice yourself? Well, maybe this will spin around into a voiceover job for you. That'd be cool. That would be pretty cool. Okay, so. Are we recording now? Uh, we've been recording this whole time. I'm just going to decide what to cut and what to leave. It'll be fine. Okay, I guess. We don't Cut listen, that. We don't listen to the same type of podcast at all. No, we don't. <laughs> but I listen to better podcasts. Ugh. Anyway. JRE, I'm waiting for the call any day. That's the dream. Oh, man. Boozers and shakers, you guys need to help me out and just prove Bryant wrong. I know my team, and we listen to better podcasts. By the way, for my boozers and shakers out there, I am drinking an 805. And I'm having a Voodoo Ranger IPA. It's it's pretty good. Anyway. I enjoy it. Back to the marijuana episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of trying to say that I got really excited Brent, when Bryant was like, oh, watch this show. It's called The Prophet because I'm obsessed with cults. And I immediately went to, yes. And then he's like, it's on CNBC. And all my dreams were dashed. See, adult TV. Fake news. <laughs> Wrong. I would like to point out. That was a really sad attempt. Ugh. I would like to point out that that show ran at 3 in the morning. Of course. So. Originally it didn't. But it's CNBC at 3 in the morning. A long time ago. Anyway. But we recorded it on our DVR. At least it's topical. Anyway. Pun completely intended. I actually promoted topical CBD oil to a co-worker today. I'm so proud of you. And they're like, will it show up in your bloodstream? And I'm like, no, it's like lotion. And they're like, oh. Yeah. So well, you, you don't... don't test you don't test positive for CBD. Yes, you do. No, you don't. Google it. <laughs> I did a whole bunch of research on it. You do. If you take it in large doses, but if you're just putting topical cream on you. Well, topical gonna... cream's topical. You're not ingesting it. But if you ingest it. Okay, um, we're not going to have this argument because science. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I'm not qualified enough to talk about science. I know a lot about that science, but it's not enough to put it out into the webs. I know enough from a quick Google search. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, so there's also a promo that runs throughout this show called The Prophet in Humboldt County, which made me laugh because I don't know if this is true. But I have some cousins that live up in Humboldt, and my brother was telling me about an article he read 
with a really interesting incident where the FBI came to town and was like trying, this was obviously before the medical marijuana in California, but the FBI was like trying to get them to turn on the suppliers, like the people with the weed farms. And the town basically just told the FBI and the DEA to get the fuck out. Yeah. Like they were not having it because that was the only way that town wasn't broke. Um, like I said, I don't know. My brother told me that a couple of years ago. It's always stuck in my head. I found it a little bit funny, but Humboldt County is definitely flourishing because of the medical marijuana industry in California. And now that we're 17 days into legalization, they are probably flourishing even more. So on to the dude, the show, Ex- since you've watched the prophet before, explain Lemonitis, Lemonis, whatever the fuck his name is. Marcus Zabonis? No. Zabonis? It's definitely Limonis? like Lemonitis. I, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a Greek name that I wasn't born to pronounce. Uh, but this guy basically goes around and he's an investor, right? Like a Shark Tank guy, but with his own show. And he goes to businesses and decides whether or not he can turn them around and make them profit, you know, make them more profit and have the business grow. Uh, because of legalization and how it's, it's becoming more and more popular and more and more accepted, unless you're Jeff Sessions, we... Go home, Joby. Go home. <laughs> well, he, it's, it's increasingly on the mind of investors like him. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of money in weed and it's to the point now where the getting is good if you have the, the cash to get in, but if you don't, then you got a lot of work to do. So the show has this like little thing, which I remember I wrote down cause, um, he introduced himself in like a vague premise, which Brian just explained. And then it said something like, do you want to go on a journey? And I wrote, can I not? Is that an option? Yeah, the writers on the show are terrible. I will admit that. Pretty bad. Like, from the get. It was, it was, I cringed more times in this show than I have any other time watching TV or movies. Oh, just you wait. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, so we start out with a vegan gluten-free tart company that is literally ran out of the lady's kitchen in her apartment. Um, She states that she had 15,000 invested into the company, which is very possible, but firsthand, they, that's not a big enough investment to get into the game, like even to walk into the door or get a foot in the door. Um, So I'm curious as to how, they're getting their permits and funding, but... That was one of my comments that I wrote, um, was... This is the, uh, treat-yourself people, right? Yeah. The so, gluten-free Pop-Tarts. Yeah, the gluten-free Pop-Tarts people. One of the first things I wrote, and just to give a little bit of a background into my life, my job means I study California law. I'm not an attorney, but I deal with a lot of trying to make it so my company does not get sued. So I'm very familiar with how, like, law-crazy California is. And when they were talking about how they were doing it out of their 
house, all I could think of is like, you still need permits. Like, even if you're cooking out of your house, you need a ton of permits. And it was just kind of driving me nuts. And the second thing that drove me nuts about them was, um, I'm pretty sure Treat Yourself is copyrighted. I'm sure it is. Because Parks and Rec had like seasons of jokes based on Treat Yourself with Aziz and, um, what's her name? You're no help because you don't watch Parks and Rec. Nope. Um, with Aziz and the woman who played Donna. I just Donna! No, yeah. No. This is going to bother me. Hold on. That's um, what IMDb was made for. So, anyway, these these people are literally baking out of their kitchen. And it looks like an ultra-slow process, which I, I have never seen their product firsthand. So, I, I don't know how much they would charge for it. Um, I think they said they charged like fifteen dollars for pop tart. I don't. That doesn't. That sound makes good. sense. That's about market price. But how are they making enough to keep themselves solvent? Is my question. Well, I think they weren't. I think that was the problem. Was that they were stuck. They had both quit their jobs without a backup plan. They were out of savings and. They were just stuck, and so that's how they ended up on this show, because they probably figured, at best, we can get help from him, and at worst, we can get the television exposure for 3 a.m. on CNBC. Right. But I was really surprised with these guys, because they have a cop as a partner? No, she was a 911 dispatcher. Oh, okay. She, she worked a, for the police department. She's a half department. a cop. Yeah. Fair enough. But the other thing, too, was it said it took him an hour to make 30 Pop-Tarts. I'm pretty sure I could eat 30 Pop-Tarts in five minutes and make 30 Pop-Tarts a little quicker than that. Hey, that's enough out of you. Stop breaking shit. But, you know, respect to them. They're doing they're doing their thing and they're putting it out there and... More power to them. I hope they they succeed and make it in big weed. Yeah, you missed the whole like Palm Springs shenanigans. That's started at the beginning of the episode. Well, the Palm Springs shenanigans is an, an entirely different deal in and of itself. It yeah. kind of refers to what you were saying at the beginning of the episode, where the, the Humboldt people told the right. FBI to go to, fuck to, themselves, to go right? Pound sand. Yeah. So it's kind of. The same, but... It makes total sense, because if you drive out to Desert Hot Springs, there's, there's nothing, nothing there. there. Except for a couple close to Kenyans. I, I don't understand how... People live there? Palm Springs, Palm Deserts, all those places have residents. Like, what do you do here? The only thing I wanted to bring about... There was a couple things that happened in Palm Springs that I wanted to bring up that I wrote down. Was one, that he seemed genuinely shocked that it was an indoor facility. It's like a million degrees in Palm De- Palm be- 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 in Palm Springs. Sometimes I can speak English. Yeah, it's it has to be indoor, right? Like that. Ju- I I just couldn't understand why he was so surprised about that. But and he then, never. Sorry, I don't mean to talk over you. He had it. never smoked weed before, and still hadn't. Like he never partaked. I don't smoke. Partook. I don't smoke weed, but I know Palm Desert is hot. I mean. He seems like a New York guy to me. That's probably true. And um, 
The other thing I wrote was that that one place in Palm Springs did 65 pounds in 10 days. Yeah. That is a lot. Yeah, that's a, they've, I mean, when you pay a million per acre, you're going to, you're going to put, you're going to put out some, some product. I think that they, that guy in particular was interesting because he was a minister at one point and I don't know if he was still a minister. It kind of seemed like it was because he hadn't told his people that that's what he was doing. But I, I respect to him because he's a grandfather and his son-in-law likely, yeah. I got the vibe that they were alluding to the fact that he was Mormon because they lived because in Utah and the, he wouldn't yeah. let him see their grandkids or, or because anything. Because of the business. Because of the business. And he still stuck it out in the business, which, you know, depending on who you are and what you value, I I think it's really courageous of him to do that. And he's right. At some point, his kids are going to realize, you know, Grandpa is actually cooler than anybody I know. Yeah, um, the that there was actually two different people in Palm Springs that they talked to. The pot head minister was one. Um, I didn't like they didn't like his bullshit reasoning for legalization. His reasoning for legalization was I had to think of my grandkids because I don't want them to get addicted to pain pills and whatever. And he just didn't want to pay tax. That right. And that's just, just admit it. And, you know, I personally, the way that I feel seeing how things have kind of unfolded, I, I have respect for the fact that he voted against it because the system that we had originally wasn't broken, right? It was, it was totally self-sufficient and was a, was a good thing. And everybody kind of just let everything be what it was and, you know, there was very little intervention on either side. Um, now that there's so much tax here in California, we have the highest taxes in the country. That's not a secret, but they're, they're taxing 40%, which is insane. It blows my mind that that was the number that they came up with to justify, but that is what they, they said it at and him voting against prop 64 I think was smart because I think this, the way that the system is set up now, it's going to push smokers to back into the streets. Like the guy that they interviewed, like yeah. in Venice. Um, so there was also a couple of times where we're kind of jumping all over this episode. So if you watch this episode, it's not in any sort of order that we're discussing it. Um, but there was, well, going to what you just said, from what essentially you have told me, if you keep your license or your rec card or whatever, mm -hmm. your medical prescription, mm -hmm. you still don't pay as high of taxes. I think a lot of people will figure that out and just get one. I think that's only going to last for so long. I think that eventually there people are going to catch on and the government eventually is going to catch on and they're going to close that loophole I, because there's too much money that they're, they'd be missing out on when dispensaries are out there giving free free medical evaluations with a doctor over Skype. 
That's hilarious. It's I. That's. I went in one time, one year to get my license renewed, and the doctor, I. I walk in and the girl was sitting there and she was wearing a Bob Marley t-shirt, totally stereotypical stoner chick working in a doc, a weed doctor's office. Right. And I fill out the paperwork. I give her my ID. I do, you know, whatever. And she, she starts typing in the computer and she goes, okay, so now we're going to take, the doctor had to leave early today. He's, we're going to do your interview over Skype. Right. So we get on Skype and I kid you not, this guy was laying face down with his head rested up, you know, like he was watching TV and there were hands kneading his back. He was getting a massage while he was talking to me about whether or not I needed medical marijuana. And, you know, it was a short conversation. I walked out the door, a happy person and, you know, everybody was good. Yeah, I mean, that's California. We went on a tangent there, which we will do often. But do you remember that one building they went into? I think the guy who started the business was like... But they went into one place where the guy was trying to do high-end weed, and he was charging... Was that MedMen? No, it wasn't MedMen. It was a small company, and it was just this dude by himself. I had a note about it. I can't find it. All I remember is that it, like, the whole company was, it was really, really, really expensive. And he was like, oh, we don't name, we don't name. It was the other guy in Desert Hot Springs. Yeah. The guy with the Harvard MBA. Yes. That guy that was selling, he was, he was selling weed based off of the effect they had, which was really smart. Like the sleep or. Right. So if it's a sativa, it's going to give you energy. So this is your energy weed. And when it's an indica and it's really heavy and it wants to put you on this, on the couch, that's like the calm one. Right. And then everything in between. Um, I thought that was really smart just to simplify it because, you know, now that it's recreational people don't know what they're getting into you got your grandmothers and aunts and uncles and people that haven't smoked weed before that have been against it and now that it's legal they're gonna they're gonna like dip their toe in the water right i think that's a smart way to approach it especially from from that business angle making things as simple as possible so that no people know what they're getting because it can vary so different from strain to strain brand to brand grower to grower you know yeah, I just, I don't remember what is, I thought I wrote it down, but when he went over the prices, I was just like, that's a ripoff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't smoke. I don't the, buy weed. I don't actually know. There's but a really like, pompous uh, level of weed, right? Where, yeah. where the brand itself gets so popular and naturally they, they raise the price and whatever, but without a doubt, every time their quality goes down as well. And, you know, I agreed with Marcus in that, you know, pretty packaging doesn't sell a product. I mean, it sells a product, but what's going to keep people coming back is the substance of your product, right? I also don't believe, based on, like, his just... There was that one part of the episode where, like, he hugged a 40-pound bag of weed. And I'm just like... That was great. I would have done the same thing. But you're a smoker. There's no way this dude doesn't smoke. 
That's what I'm saying. Like he was, and when he walked into one of the buildings, You're he's a like fucking sorcerer. He's like, it smells so good. No, weed smells like shit. I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah, and he got like the no, but he didn't like the smell of weed. No, he did. He did. The, he he, he gave liked, off the impression that he didn't. He liked certain smells. Because there mean, was there was one building where he walked in, he's like, oh. And the next building, he's like, oh, your weed smells good. Right. I'm sorry. All weed smells like shit to me. All weed is, smells amazing. It's, it's better than roses. Kate, some, well, roses smell terrible, too. Case in point. And he was protesting too much. I'm like, this Doth dude... protest too much. Exactly. He was just trying not to get drug tested by CNBC so he didn't lose his job. No, he was. CNBC doesn't care one way or another. They're making money off the episode no matter what. By Fox News. He, he is. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. By the way. It's not true. But he is trying to cover himself up for the investors and right. You know all the funds that he represents. So he's trying to be like, this is an interesting concept. But also he's like, yo, you right. want to be a business partner so I can smoke for free. Right. But I thought it was interesting. At the end of the episode, the whole point of this show is for him to go in and see if there's an intriguing enough edge to a business for him to invest. Like, is there enough profit to be to be had if they increase production or if they invest in their technology and they become more efficient, whether they'll he can make money off of it, right? Yeah. Naturally, that's what investors do. I thought it was interesting that at the end of this show, he doesn't... He doesn't invest any money in anybody. See, I don't and he, believe And he that. says against it. I don't believe that either, especially because this next show that's coming up is about him in weed country. In Humboldt. In Humboldt, where it all began. Where the, the green rush of California and the western United States has always been. And I, I, he kept bringing up this one point... Um, he made it. He made a couple really weird company, really weird comments about small companies, where like he was shocked that there was small companies in the industry. There's small companies in every industry. Hello. But that's because it's it's like what I what I was saying earlier with her having only fifteen grand in the game, right? Yeah. It's it costs so much more than that just to get the permits to handle. Excuse me. That amount of weed. I'm not editing. That's fine. <laughs> it's it literally is hundreds of thousands of dollars to get your way in the door, and she's only got fifteen grand in the game. I would be surprised too that she was there. But no, he was saying about that that he was making that small business company comment about the Oakland place, which was pretty large. Which, the, by the way, how has that place never been robbed? The Oakland place. Yeah, there I was like there was no security. And it was just like, you just walk up the stairs and open the door. I'm like, oh, you're in the middle guys. of Oakland. Okay, cool story about them. Those are, that guy with the really long pigtails, mm-hmm. right, and the funky hat, that is a family-run dispensary. And those people are literally responsible for weed becoming recreational in California. They met with, they met with the Senate. They met with the House. They were... They they were there every step of the way, leading the way for recreational marijuana. Netflix at one point had a documentary about it. It's them. still up. It's still up. Cool. Well, they they're like they're like the Martin Luther Kings of weed. That's that's a really bad reference. 
I get it. I'm sorry. But any, they are they are pushing things to? forward. Larry Flint. Larry, Larry, Larry Flint. Flint. Yeah. There you go. Larry Flint, really. A hustler? <laughs> I mean, Larry Flint is kind of responsible for us being able to do this kind of thing, right? No, that's Bill Gates. No. Well, computer-wise is Bill Gates. Shut up. <laughs> I'm done with you. Um. So, yeah, but that's my point, is that it's a small family-owned business, and he's like, you can't be a small company in the weed industry. They're one of the top people, and they're a small family business. Being a part of a small family business, that just irritated me. Well, I get it, you know, and it is the dream of small businesses to grow into big businesses, Not right? Not all of them. But, you know, if you're in the game, then you, you want to succeed. There's no... Yeah, you, but you, you can don't, succeed You don't deal without... with the hassle. Oh. You don't deal with the hassle of becoming an entrepreneur and dealing with the day-to-day grind day in and day out unless you want to want to do something great. Okay. It's too much of a pain in the ass to do yeah, it. especially in California. It's much easier to get a job for Chase Bank or, you know, wherever. Bank of America. Sure. Such a great job. Sucks. I get it. I worked for Sprint. That shit sucks. Oh, no. B of A was great. My benefits were amazing. Oh, health insurance. I didn't know what benefits <laughs> were until I came to the, the small business that I'm in now. Yeah. I had great benefits. But anyway, anyway, if you haven't caught on, we we uh we we talk about all random stuff here. It's anyhow. what's interesting is there's you know there's a small business side and then there's the big business side, right? Right. And MedMen, who you had heard of prior to this episode, one of the only you know brands. Right. I have heard, heard of, of. MedMen. Um, MedMen is pretty big in California. It's huge in Southern California. Um, it's basically the Apple Store of weed. Yeah, the, okay, the dog lady, though. <laughs> I know. Typical, typical, like, really? hipster, hippie, I gotta introduce my dog. You, you know? had to, you had to find I'm that I'm surprised, there's such a high-end shop that I'm surprised they let the dog in. Well, she clearly was, like, a normal customer and there all the time. Right. But the, like... The fact that she didn't know the prices that she was about to pay, I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. I know immediately, just saying. It's but that that company in particular is kind of interesting because they have they they raised sixty million dollars right after they started with one shop right they've been around for years since uh, medical marijuana became legal in California I believe in nineteen ninety three that sounds about right so it's been around for a lot longer than people realize it just kind of came mainstream over the last eight or nine years um, but. They started as a single mom and pop shop and eventually as they progressed with the industry, they raised $60 million from venture capitalists and random investors and they grew their their place to literally, it resembles the Apple store. It doesn't. It's so clean. It's, it looks exactly like the Apple okay, store. Okay, so it, I actually have like a long paragraph in this. I'm, I was reading it while you were talking. Break it down for me. So you're right. Cleanliness and the way the lines were built and the way that it's set up does look like an Apple Store setup. Their business model, though, their business model is totally car dealer franchise. Because, (laughs) okay, so (laughs) they make the product and then have someone open up a franchise. Yeah. 
And then they control what that franchise looks and what products that that franchise can sell. And at the cost. That is exactly what car dealers do. It's what McDonald's did. Right. But, like, there was just more things, too, that they were talking about with, like, the control level. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a car dealer franchise. Because, for example, you know, with, I don't know, Ford. We'll go with Ford. With Ford... Ford definitely has this huge thing where you have to have your employees address people like this. You have to follow this model. But remember, you're a franchise. But if you don't do A through double X, we'll pull your franchise. And oh, don't forget, you have to update the store every two years. And we're going to be really weird and change the colors. And you're going to have to repaint all the time. And you're going to have to do this. And you have to use this company to market or else we'll pull your franchise. This is where we disagree. And I think that's what Med Men is going to do eventually. I I agree with you. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just saw it and was like, oh, this is familiar. I'm not saying it's bad at all, but that's what they're doing. They're making it so you have to have They're making color. it so that the experience and the product is consistent. Right. And I'm right. not saying that's not a bad thing. No, it's, it's just, not at all. They're but, totally ripping off the car dealer model. And the fact that I recognized it so quick, I was just like, oh. I don't... That's I, why I, it's I think work, that though. you're you're wicked smart. Uh-huh. You know? You gotta say that. Yep. And you think of this, this way? I don't think that that's how they were thinking. I, I didn't get that vibe at all. I'm not in the that, car dealership, or I'm not in the car industry. I don't know these things. But it for me, I appreciate what they're doing. Because the biggest issue that has been faced over the years is that everything is so inconsistent. Well, there was another thing too, and I think this is what kind of put the nail in the coffin for me, of like, this is what they're modeling it after. Because they brought up, you know, how the store has to be this color, the employees have to dress this way, the um, product has to be displayed this way, the cost has to be this way. That's all pretty normal across the car dealership world. But then they mentioned how each franchise is forced to share data. Yeah. And that is something that is unprecedented, but well, makes in that sense. industry, however, like that's something that gets, um, that's a big franchise fight in the car dealership is how much data they're allowed to pull and what we can tell them not to pull. And it's a big, big fight. And I just have a feeling that MedMen is, I don't know, I really want to like Google the people that started MedMen and see what they were doing before. I bet you at some point, one of them worked for a dealership. Sure. It's possible, but... Because especially the regulatory. I'll let you talk eventually. can keep making that face at me. (laughs) Whatever. Continue. I, I think that it's it's necessary for the evolution of the experience for recreational, for medical. I think the biggest issue and the biggest thing that freaked people out before was that they didn't know what they were getting, right? Right. That's why they're putting caps on how many milligrams an edible can be because the, the reaction chemically is completely different from when you inhale and you smoke it out of something else, right? Right. So having that be consistent so that people know what they're getting and know what they're buying when they buy it so that when the medicinal patient that has fibromyalgia and is on disability and can't work can go to a dispensary and get 
the the level of weed that she's been used to, the potency, and know every single time that that's what she's going to be giving, getting, right? That uh, That is going to be big for bringing this more mainstream. I agree. I think it's smart. I'm not knocking their business model at all. I just, to me, it was very familiar. For sure. Um, the one thing of like into that, uh, fibromyalgia autoimmune thing that they had this girl Andrea who gets deliveries to her house and Marcus followed a delivery driver to her house. And I, you know, my opinions on weed are as long as you're not driving or you're not an addict, you do you. I don't care. But from the paranoid world of a human that I am, I don't know why this woman agreed to be on this show. Because she agreed, you know, she ordered her stuff, which she has an autoimmune disease. That is the worst. I have family members with autoimmune. I know how hard that is. And if this helps them, great. Who cares? It helps. And it's certainly better than doing narcotics, you know, codeine, all that crap. Right. But I hope CP like the whole time I was watching her talk, I was like, oh my God, I really like you. And I hope CPS doesn't come to your house. (laughs) They can't. I don't. If you're taking care of your kids, it's it's apparent. She is her real name. They showed her address. They showed, well, they didn't show her address, but they showed her house. And to me, it was just like, don't miss that you know that they probably showed the inside of her house the outside they probably changed hopefully hopefully wherever like random parking lot they were in was not her apartment complex but i just i couldn't imagine using my voice my face and my real name and house on a reality show on something like this when i have you know an actual kid in my hand and i'm talking about this and i understand that if you're in pain, you need the help, and this is a safer route than coding, blah, blah, blah. But I just feel like, protect yourself. <laughs> well, it's it's to the point now where it is mainstream. And yeah, but people, people still people don't lose care. their kids when they're drunks. Right, but that's if they're drunks and they don't take care of their kids, right? And they, they treat them like assholes right. and you know, act right. like drunks. That's one thing, but, but there's also the weed, weed, weed isn't, it's not, it's not necessarily a drunk thing. It's not a, like I'm, I've completely lost control and I don't know what I'm saying and I don't know what I'm doing. It becomes that if you push it too far, right? But it takes, it's a lot harder to get there and it's a lot less harmful than if you're, if you're drunk on alcohol and I, I think that obviously there are people that can handle it and there are people that are that can't, right? There's people that can handle being a parent and there's people that can't. Right. Right? There's people that can handle a stressful job and there's people that can't. Correct. Right? But so my, I, I would just worry about like your, you know, somebody random in your life watching this show and them making the initial call because they're someone who doesn't understand that weed is not heroin. You know? Yeah, but I'm looking it up right now and where, how many, what the percentage of people support marijuana. 
No, it, but well, it's, I mean, it's, it, he said a couple times 8 million people voted to legalize it, but I'm still saying there's going to be that one person in your life who may randomly be watching this show and may see it and may report you. Well, good. And to me, that risk doesn't seem worth it, but I also don't smoke, so I don't know. But I, I, it kind of amazed me. There was a couple people that they talked to where I'm just like, why aren't you hiding your face? Like, I mean, there's a there's a growing acceptance. I agree of and, weed, and which I is why it. which is why Marcus is willing to do this episode and that show at all because he has. It's a. I agree with you. I think it's kind of crazy that she she put herself out there like that. Um, I don't necessarily know if she had a a uh, real name or not, but. You know, more power to her. Okay, so we had to stop to get another beer for myself. And Bryant is still empty. Um, but we're getting towards the end of this show. The last two things we wanted to talk about were that the vegans were back. Um, they actually got an interview with MedMen to test their, um, their product and see if they would put it in there. And this is one of the things that he brought up when he was in their house, that he hated their packaging. Well, their packaging was ridiculous. Their packaging was ugly. It was it was ugly. The message was convoluted, and they completely alienated fifty percent of their market, which I is disagree. what he said. Because here's my thing. So on the packaging, it's a real pretty thing on the front and said "Treat yourself," which again is co- probably copyrighted. But on the back, it said, you know, the milligram information and whatnot, the flavor information and whatnot. And it said, good for headaches, blah, 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 and PMS and cramps. Get some Advil. It says the same shit. I am willing to bet there is about a dozen products that all have that on there in some capacity that you've never noticed. About menstrual cramps and things like that? Yeah, for sure. And I also am willing to bet that you don't read the back of the packaging for a lot of the edible products. No, you do. I, I, I mean, I do. I did. I just think that's stupid because it, it's a throwaway comment, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Well, then why why murk why make your message murky by inserting a throwaway comment? Because for the people that would actually take that comment seriously, they probably would need it, and they're probably looking for something for that. It's just one of those dumb things where I just think, I firmly believe that if you had seen Pop-Tarts and you wanted edible Pop-Tarts, you would have turned it around, looked at the flavor, looked at this, looked at that, and you'd be like, eh, whatever, and gotten it. And I think that's how most people would handle it. Because, like I said, who reads an Advil bottle? And, I mean, I've seen edible packages. There's not a lot of information on there, and usually it's just the flavor and the name of the product. Yeah. So you're not going to look past that. But for a woman who's like, my period cramps are so bad that I can't get out of bed and Advil doesn't work. Seeing that is like, oh, I never thought to try this. I just, I don't think it alienates people. I I just, I just don't. I just don't believe that at all. But I don't think, I think that people that have, have those ailments, if they, if they go to a doctor and they, they ask for an alternative method of treatment, they're, the doctor's going to tell them that edibles are 
are part of the no. the deal. I mean, not like a traditional doctor, clearly, but any doctor that's not in handcuffed by pharmaceutical companies would would be able to to point her in that direction. I don't think it's necessary to put it out there as boldly as they did. There, there's, I think that they could have they could have hit the balance. They could have balanced it a little bit better. They could have listed. A little, like, like if you're going to put menstrual cramps on the packaging and you're you're going to create that woman feel, mm-hmm. right? Well, then men are going to see, like, that's a woman feel that's not, that's not geared towards me, right? Because let's, let's, let's talk about vegan, vegan Pop-Tarts, right? Vegan Pop-Tarts is just short for I have no flavor, right? So mm-hmm. it's, if you have no flavor... You're marketing towards women, which is totally cool. I'm in complete support of it. But you're there's gonna be guys that aren't into it, you know. And that's just that's just part of the deal. They were a female-driven business, and naturally, you're gonna you're gonna market to the people that you know and that you you're trying to attract. Some of the same struggles that you're talking about, right? But I also just think like, okay, yeah, vegan is actually the problem with this whole thing because being a vegan edible that is a that is a california niche small little group of people colorado enjoys it that's true i guess but vancouver enjoys it I, basically anywhere in the west coast i think that would be more of a thing. problem than a you know pop tart that helps with menstrual cramps because at the end of the day if one of your friends was like hey it's edible. It's a pop tart. It's really good. You should try it. You would, and again, you wouldn't look at the packaging. <laughs> yeah, I think we're making a little bit of a mountain out of a molehill here, but it's I just found a... it so irritating the way he kept mentioning it. Well, here you're ostracizing. Pink tax. I felt. I thought it was really. It was kind of irritating that he he was making such a big deal out of women entrepreneurs in the game. Yeah. I I think. I think that that was that's insulting to both men and women, right? Because mm-hmm. women are capable, right? Women are sure. are wicked smart, but sure. and it's we're past the point where we need to identify a business as women owned. I think. Great. I think that that women have done so many things in business now that are noteworthy and that have value. Whereas before you guys weren't given that opportunity, we weren't given that. That um, it's like, it's it's like a school saying, "Hey, we're we're desegregated, right? We already know that you're gonna have a mix of kids in that school, right? We already we're already past the point of of necessarily acknowledging that." And I think that a woman-owned business is just a business like any other, and it's not. I don't think it's impressive that you're a woman and you're in the game. And I don't think it's impressive that you're a man in the game. It just doesn't. I, I think that that's an irrelevant point that they use to attract viewers and sympathy. And the writers of this show deserve to have their pens taken away and banished oh, to a cellar because they can't. They can't. Like the sh- I've cringed more in this show based off of the one-liners that they were throwing out there. And I'm in love with puns. Right? Puns mm-hmm. are. They're they're hilarious. They're, it's it's the highest level of intelligent comedy, right? And that's sarcasm. 
see, but sar- sarcasm and puns go hand in hand. Most puns are sarcastic. So it's it, but the the disgrace that they do to a quality pun in this episode. I enjoyed the content. Probably won't watch again. What do you think? I thought he was a douche canoe, and I'd rather never hear this man's name or voice again. <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it. If you were interested in weed, then that's that's cool, and you got what you were looking for out of the episode. Hopefully. And if you're not into weed and the guy annoyed the shit out of you and you're, you're, you know, sitting here and, and... I thought the introspective into the industry, especially because this aired so quickly after New Year's, which they purposely did, and so quickly after the law changed to recreational in California, was interesting. I just thought that they could have done a better job talking about it with someone else. And with better writers. Yeah. I think the the writers totally sucked. Um, the producers should have seen that coming. And whoever said, run it, that's a great idea. You definitely need to be fired. But so I think one last, last point on my end um, is that I think the biggest struggle that companies like the Vegan Pop-Tarts and the Desert Hot Springs Grower are going to find is that in the new market, it's going to get so competitive that if they don't know how to sell and they don't have a proper understanding of, of sales, then they're going to get swallowed up. I think too, the problem with specifically the vegan girls, um, is that they're a type of brand that is, like I said, is going to get sued for copyright infringement, but also they're a type of brand that their whole so, demo girl brand. Right. They're so stuck in, you know, y- you find more issues with the menstrual crap on, cramps on the back of their label that they can just remove. I just thought it was lame. I find more of an issue with the veganism of it and the fact that it takes an hour for 15 or something Pop-Tarts. I can make six dozen cookies in an hour. Right. Regular cookies. I feel like I have to specify. But... I, I just feel like that's where they're going to go wrong or they're going to be so worried about quality control that they're not going to be able to grow their business. Yeah. And I think that, that small businesses get caught up in the, I want, we're, we're small and we're going to hit the market hard. And the way that we're going to hit the market hard is we're going to be so unique. Right. That it's never been done before kind of thing. When everything's been so, done before. So if, if you really think about it in the, in like the business world, we right now is, a a it's it's growing in in popularity but it's not there yet right it's still kind of a niche market to invest in it's a niche commodity right and it's not many many people are getting are getting into it right they are going into a niche market with a niche product that is made a way a way that only people that are into that niche are going to appreciate right and I think that they're niching themselves out of the out of the market. I agree. I think the best my projection. I hope that they do they do really well. I've never seen them before. Well, um, now they're in Med Men. Yeah. No. Med, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they. I think that the best that they can do is is sell for a couple million dollars. Which I mean, I don't go think then. that they're gonna. Yeah, that's great. But I don't think. I think they're going to end up putting more into the business than they end up getting out financially. 
I think they're the type where they will get the option to sell and not. I, I mean, if you get an if if somebody offers you a couple million dollars to buy your company and you're in the weed game at that level, making, uh, what was it like, thirty cook thirty pop tarts an hour? Yeah. Then you take that money and run. That's what I'm saying, though. I think they're just some of those. I mean, you watch a lot of Shark Tank. You see it all the time. They get so stuck on how great their product is in their own head uh-huh. that no, 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 no. This is my baby. This is my company. Uh-huh. No, no. Sell your baby and start a new one. Right. Or sell your baby and go to Europe and go on vacation for a while. I mean, either way, it's a good living. Yeah. And I, I hope that they that they pull it off and that they do really well um one thing that we haven't we haven't gone over is the delivery service in oakland no we went over that oh okay remember the girl the woman andrea yeah Yeah. that girl was badass right if if there was anybody that he should have invested with it should have been her oh you're talking about the business owner yeah yeah oh no she was a genius I really liked her. I did too. She definitely like knew her market. She knew what she could do, what she couldn't do. And she knew how to make money and how to stabilize it. She had... She was just making consistent money and not getting greedy and trying to overdo it and not underselling it. Just consistent. Which is a great business model, in my opinion. Right. Well, they... And she had realistic, realistic expectations of where her business was at. The areas that she's struggling and where she needs help. Right. And where it was going. Maybe he did secretly invest because they also cut her time really short. She didn't have a lot of air time. Yeah. So maybe he did secretly invest with her. Maybe so. I hope so. I hope so too. I think she deserved it out of all of them. She was the best prepared and the most knowledgeable. The guys at MedMen, their pitch was... Was very. This is the future, like Josh Altman style selling, right? Uh, And it really, it it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I also felt like MedMen was pitching just to get this the marketing, right? Right. The marketing and it worked. And it worked. It works. I hate it, but it works. And but also, if you live in the Los Angeles, Denver, or New York area. Men has job fairs like every week, so just in case you're looking. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> hiring left and right, and they're I I like what they're doing. I don't like the price that they're doing it at, but you know. I think they're going to be a stable. I think they are too. My biggest fear is that they start they get so big that they end up setting the market price. That's a possibility. Well. Later. But the good thing is they have stayed out on the west side, and so they have not come into our little world. That's true. And they're just growing like crazy over there, so maybe they'll never make it out over here. I don't know. They're they're branching out into Orange County. Are they? Yeah. they the, On the show, they opened <gasps> that episode if, or that George, store in like Santa Ana or something like that. I wonder if George from 90 Day Fiance is involved with Men Men. I doubt it. Men Men is <laughs> Way too professional to deal with <laughs> to that have guy's a lunatic bullshit. like him. Yeah, that that guy was a disgrace, and that was last season of Ninety Day Fiance. Last two. Last two seasons. God, have I really been watching that show that long? I hate you. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh my god! So this guy, two seasons ago, 
um, was in the weed game, and he he seemed like a real low level guy. Like he clearly didn't have his shit together. No, not at all. And he ordered a mail order bride that he met on a Russian w- webcam website. And brought her over to America and married her in 90 days. And she took him to the cleaners, ran him through the ringer. And everything that you would expect to happen in a situation like that happened. So they were both. There's like, no way they, they did were both together. terrible people and deserved each other. And they were both bad and wrong. I didn't think he was a bad person. Until I thought that the she, reunion. I you th- didn't watch the reunion. His true colors showed. Oh. Well, fuck him then. Yeah. I was like, oh, you are a piece of shit. Good talk. <sighs> well, they, they they attract each other. Yup, losers attract losers. Winners attract winners. High five for winning. <laughs> so anyway, I think that we've pretty much covered this episode up and down and left and right. You got anything else? The only thing we didn't cover was the weird drug dealer from Venice that I don't really want to talk about. I, I don't either. I think that the... And he was definitely from central casting. Probably, but I think <laughs> I, th- I think he was Venice based. I think that he's clearly a hipster based on the beard, um, mm-hmm. which whatever. But I think that he's he. You need to get a real job, bud, because you're for real. You're you're getting one. You're getting priced out of the market, and two for all the hassle and all the trouble that you go through in your day to day life to do what you do. To only come away with $60,000 a year, your ass needs to get a real job because you're smarter than that. Yeah, you can totally get a good job for 60000 a year and not worry about getting arrested. You know? Imagine that. So this has been our second episode. This is also hilariously like two, almost three times longer than our first episode. That's right. Um, so the next show we're picking, we're going to announce it now. So if you guys want to watch it, you can. And we're going to ch- try to drop our episodes every Sunday. Um, the next one we are doing is one of my personal favorites, the TV show, the TV show Supernatural. We're going to do season 13, episode 10. It's titled Wayward Sisters. It's actually airing right now as we're recording this on the 18th. So I'm super stoked and can't wait to watch it. Um, There's going to be a test on subsection A, line B. You know, like word three of seven. the tattoos I want are from a show. Hmm. So okay. not a super fan at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know it's amazing. He's never seen an episode and I'm making him watch the mid-season return for the 13th season that's not gonna go well there's going to be so many questions i'm just gonna hear my name yelled from the other room help who's this but i can't wait to discuss that and we are working on artwork we're working on intros thank you guys for listening for our two first two episodes i know they're a little scratchy we're learning all the kinks uh please bear with us and it's been real it's been real Have a it's good been one. fun It's been real fun. Y'all have a good time. Bye.